we all have something that we're tempted by. And so I, I figured since I haven't preached in the last couple of weeks, I'd come back, you know, and, and, and get into a topic that was nice and fluffy and simple. And so we're going to be talking about temptation this morning, like Neil mentioned. So if you guys anything, you got something you want to share, you know, about what you struggle with, now, now, just kidding, don't do that. Like, don't, don't say something to the person next to you. But you can elbow them and let them know, yeah, it's a good thing you're here this morning. It's very possible that maybe we've kind of desensitized ourselves to whatever our vice is, but, but we've all been there at some point in our life. We've all got something. And there was a research done a few years ago by the Barna Group just talking about and asking people, hey, what are you tempted by? And some of the answers are pretty surprising, and some of the answers have kind of dropped a little bit lower on the list as we've become more and more comfortable with some of the things that we're tempted by. A couple of new ones were, uh, one of them was, and this was kind of one of those things, hey, everybody that was asked about this, just kind of mark what are the things you deal with. 44% of people admitted that they spend way too much time on media. And so that was one of the things that they're tempted by. Some of the old standbys were eating too much, spending too much money, gossiping, feeling jealous, viewing porn, lying or cheating, abusing alcohol or drugs, doing something intimate with someone you're not supposed to. Uh, but then there were some, so there, there's some of the normal ones we, we think about that we all struggle with and ha have some to certain degrees in our lives. Here were some of the particularly Western temptations that were kind of different from other people around the globe. 60% uh, of people admitted that they were tempted to procrastinate. Anybody with you, with me on this? All right, 60% of people admitted that they are tempted to worry a lot. Anybody? No, none of that. Yeah, none of us struggle with worrying. And 41% admitted to being lazy and not working as hard as they can. And I thought that was interesting uh, that they were willing to admit that. And, and regardless to what degree we're willing to admit some of those things uh, and how we're tempted in our own particular ways, another question that was asked everyone is why they kept giving in to the same temptations. So that's, that's kind of an interesting question. Why do you keep giving in to the same thing that you know you're going to be tempted by? Have you ever kind of stopped and thought about that? Well, some people would say, well, to escape or get away from real life or because I enjoy it or some other things to hide pain, that kind of thing. But 50% of people said they're not sure. They, they don't even know why. Like, what, what's the deal with me keep, I mean, keep giving in to the same thing over and over and you, you kind of go, stupid, come on, why do you keep doing that? And we're not even sure why we do it. Well, I've got an answer for that. And here it is. It's, it, this is. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, too, you can tell. It's easier to surrender to temptation than it is to overcome it. We're more willing to procrastinate, to worry, to be lazy, and not put in the work and effort that it would take to overcome temptations holding our lives. And this is the compromising position that the enemy loves to have us in. And so when it comes to overcoming temptation, we look at Joseph's life, and he's got a great example of what this looks like in Genesis chapter 39. So I'd love for you to turn in your Bibles to that chapter. And what Joseph models, how we overcome temptation, what he, what he models is that God is a God of victory. And so he's not looking for us to kind of be stuck and wallow in our rationalization and our regret and our self-loathing, but he wants us to be able to overcome the temptations in our lives. You know, temptations are tricky. Our temptations present themselves at our most vulnerable, and a momentary weakness can often lead to sometimes a lifetime of regret. Uh, but there is a key strategy that beats temptation every time, and we're going to look at Joseph's life and discover what that is. 
Joseph has faced up to this point more unjust circumstances in his life than it seems like a person could handle. Last week, Dominic preached and he talked about adversity, how adversity can thwart our plans, but it can never harm God's purpose for our lives, how Joseph was sold into slavery by his very own brothers because they were jealous of their dad saying he was their favorite, which, you know, that's not one of the things you should do as a parent, but still, that was, a, that was not the right response. And so Joseph has been sold into slavery, and he ends up being bought by an Egyptian master named Potiphar, who is the captain of the guard, uh, which may be, the word guard here means that Potiphar was the chief executioner, which brings a little bit of interesting things to what happens with Joseph's life here uh, for, for the court of Pharaoh. Uh, he's an important man, and so Potiphar buys Joseph, and here's where he is in his life. Genesis chapter 39, starting verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of, of his Egyptian master. When his master saw the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. Now, you know something's coming because that's why we're looking at this passage, but it seems like everything's kind of looking up in Joseph's life. Things are getting better. Even though he's been sold as a slave, he stayed consistent in how he's lived out his faith. Even in this rough circumstance, he's doing the best he possibly can. He enjoys a very high position uh, that in the current life circumstance that he had, he was living the best life he could. The problem is Joseph is still property. And this presents itself starting in verse 6. Joseph is well-built and handsome, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend his duties, and none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me, but he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Now, honestly, at first reading, this may seem, and maybe particularly because a lot of us know what ends up happening with Joseph's life, that this may seem like a fairly straightforward circumstance and it's very easy, maybe, for Joseph to say no here. Maybe he wasn't interested at, at all, and so he was able to, to kind of have, have, this, uh, have this easy choice, but there's so much to unpack here with, with this chapter. And first, before we have anything to say about Joseph and overcoming temptation, how we can practically apply that in our lives, let's acknowledge that we've all been Potiphar's wife in our lives. And we've all had moments where we've treated another person or another circumstance or another event or another thing as something that we own, as something is our property. We've all been in situations of power in which we've willingly objectified someone else or we purposefully manipulated a situation so that we could get something we wanted that we weren't supposed to try to go for in the first place. So that's the problem with temptation. I want to kind of give you this definition for temptation, maybe to try to help explain what it does to us and what the problem is with us when we give into it. Temptation is the desire to give power to that which should not have authority in our lives. It's the desire to give power to what shouldn't have authority in our lives. 
there are feelings, there are appetites, there are substances, objects, people that we've all allowed ourselves to be convinced that are worth giving up long-term well-being for short-term satisfaction. And so a moment that doesn't last more than 15 minutes ends up leading to a lifetime of regret because we give power over what to something that isn't supposed to have authority over our actions. And it's something that, that's an issue for us within our hearts and minds. James chapter 1, James writes in verse 13, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. See, a lot, the, the, kind of the popular example picture of what this looks like visually is that we're sitting here and we're our pleasant selves, but we have this angel and demon kind of on our shoulders and, and they're warring together trying to get us to, to do one thing or, or another, but it's really an issue with our heart and minds. And so the real picture is, this is what we really look like, is this. <laughs> this is who we look like. We're Gollum and Schmeagol warring over the precious and trying to decide how much power and how much of our lives we're going to give over to something. And I used the most pleasant picture I could find of Gollum, by the way, because I know, like, I mean, there, there's some scenes in that movie where even I'm like, oh, man, he's just really tough to look at there. And that's, that's the best picture that we can give ourselves. That's what we look like on our own when we give in to our sinful desires continuously, which, when left unchecked, leads to death in our lives. See, that's the problem is that we think we're in control when we give that power over to that thing. We think we are making the decision to control that thing and experience it for ourselves, but we're really giving into that temptation. When we're doing that, we're out of control because we've relinquished our self-control to what we're tempted by when we give into it. Joseph's response to his master's wife he could, have been, could have been rationalized. I'm, I'm a slave. I have no choice. This is my master demanding something of me, and so I should, you know, I have to give in. Or maybe he could rationalize it by saying, perhaps this will give me a better opportunity, a better living situation in my life. Or maybe he could rationalize it and just said, hey, I've, I've been good for a long time. I deserve it. I deserve to have a little fun. But instead, Joseph says, how, ultimately, this is what he rests, rests his argument here and why he doesn't give in to this temptation. He says, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Because more than anything else, Joseph, by saying this, is acknowledging that regardless of what desire or what rationalization we come up with, whatever thing we want to do, he's giving God the power over what he chooses to do. And overcoming temptation starts with recognizing God's authority over your life. Because that's the issue at play here. Not, not simply, you know, that we're tempted to do something that, that may make us feel bad later, but it's an issue of who we're giving authority to over our life. So when you continue to read the chapter, you find out Joseph was lied about. Um, he was mischaracterized. He gets thrown into prison because he was falsely accused. He gets this totally unjust result as you continue reading the chapter over what happens in his life. So like sometimes we do when we rationalize our sin, you might think, well, did it really make any kind of a difference that Joseph chose to do the right thing in this moment? Because he's still punished like he did something wrong. So does it really matter in this case? Well, here's the thing. Here's the reality of the situation. Is that this was literally a decision between life and death for Joseph. 
It was only because he did not give in to this sin that he remains alive and that Potiphar didn't have him executed. Because of what he was accused of, if he had actually followed through with what he wanted to do, regardless of the rationalization, regardless of whether or not everything you know, went the way that, that he wanted, wanted it to, this was a matter of life and death. Joseph not giving in, that was the difference. And the same is true for us. Is that for us, when we deal with the temptation, this is an issue of life and death. While the decision for us might not seem extreme because we have agency in our lives, because we have a little bit of control, at least we feel, feel like we do, to kind of make our own way or, or over our fate, the power of decision-making are in our hands. Over the course of time, the same things prove to be true for us. Dare I mention Commonwealth of Virginia, the news lately, and how we've kind of been on the national stage with some of the things that have come up from people's past, and how unfortunate it is that we seem to be dealing with the same things that we've dealt with on the national level too, right? I mean, things in our past being, now, I mean, it's kind of crazy how we're responding to, to some of those things, regardless how you feel about that, fairness aside, the things that we do have far-reaching consequences. And is it any wonder that God loves us, if God loves us, that he wants to spare us the, the pain and the suffering and regret and the collateral damage that it comes from us giving into our temptation. When we give into temptation, it's often we kind of convince ourselves that it's to keep ourselves from suffering without something that we want. But while we might be satiated in the present, we simply cause our future selves to deal with a mere, more severe and prolonged consequence. It's when you're eating that real spicy food and you think, man, this is delicious but you know it's going to be a problem for future Rob. <laughs> Here's how Peter puts it. Peter has firsthand experience with the regret that comes from denying God's authority in his life. And, and here's what he writes in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They're surprised that you do not join them in the reckless wild living and they heap abuse on you. We've all been there. We've all done that. Here's why we don't continue to do it. Because we'll have to give account to him who's ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they may be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. Peter's referencing those who have been killed for their faith. And you might look at that and say, well, what, what's, the, what's the value in continuing to live righteously the way that God wants us to if we're, <laughs> we're going to end up being killed for our faith? And Peter says, because, because it means we're going to be eternally with God. And that's the life we're living toward. So Joseph has overcome this temptation, and while there's so much more to be said and unpacked, especially about the difference between the stupid circumstances we get ourselves in because of our poor decision-making versus what Joseph had to deal with, I mean, he was forced he, into that circumstance. He didn't have a choice as to whether or not he was going to be there. It was beyond his control. We're going to identify how Joseph's example shows us how we can overcome our own temptations. So the first thing is this. The first thing is that we have to admit there's a problem. 
I mean, that, that's one of the biggest things is sometimes we want to keep our temptations so close to the chest and in secret, you know, in the dark that we don't want anybody to know that we try to convince ourselves that's not really an issue and, and, we, and we don't deal with it. And Joseph recognized that he was being tempted because he knew and understood God, God's expectations, his will for how his life was meant to be lived. Even if he didn't understand uh, the greater uh, implications of him staying faithful, and even if he didn't know what God was going to do with his life further on down the road, he was still desirous to be obedient to God, to know the proper response when he was being tempted. See, there's not going to be any change in the consequences of your actions and how your actions impact your life until you give the power of that decision-making over to God. Until you give the power of decision-making to his authority, God makes up for the spiritual consequences of our actions through Jesus, absolutely, but the physical consequences are still there. And so God's you know, expectation of obedience for us is not just religious hoop-jumping, it's because he desires a certain quality of life experience in relationship with us, in our relationships with each other, in our relationship with, with life. Joseph was sold into slavery. He didn't have that option in his specific circumstance. And maybe it was hard for him, uh, hard enough to be faithful, knowing that his quality of life, you know, would, would change or wouldn't really be that different. But it's also likely the reason he wasn't immediately executed. It was a result of him being obedient in his circumstance, less concerned with what he wanted to do and more concerned with honoring God. So admit, admit what that temptation is. Be ready to, to deal with it head on, because the second, the second thing is this, is to plan ahead. And so often, we, we, actually, we actually plan to give in to our temptations. We plan to fall. We, we go where we know we shouldn't go. We do things we know we shouldn't do that we kind of, oh, man, I kind of slipped up again. I don't know how this happened. Yeah, yeah we, we do <laughs> when we admit we know what's going on. Uh, my friend Jim sent me a couple, uh, he works with brains, and so he, uh, he sent me a couple articles about temptation, how this works, and some of the studies and research that have, have, uh, have been done with this, and so I want to share a couple things uh, with you. The people with the highest levels of self, here's one, uh, one research, this is what it showed, the people with the highest levels of self-control were no better able to resist temptation than anyone else, but they did experience fewer desires. And the researchers say their results suggest that high self-control operates more by avoiding temptations in the first place than by resisting them. And so the planning ahead is, is about not going where you know you're going to be tempted, about not putting yourself in the position that you know that you struggle with as part of admitting that there's a problem, not being there in the first place. Uh, one author and professor of psychology at Northeastern University uh, proposed a kind of a counterintuitive approach when it comes to self-control, and, and this is what he writes. He said, there are two routes to self-control, cognitive strategies that depend on executive function, willpower, and the like, and emotional strategies that rely on the cultivation of specific feelings. For example, you might prevent yourself from making an impulse purchase by placing your money in an account with stiff penalties for early withdrawal, or you might do the same by taking a few minutes to stop and count your blessings. Plan ahead. Understand what the issue is that you are tempted by, how it affects you in your life, and recognize what the lie is. 
know, the grass is not going to be greener on those side if you give in to that desire. Recognize what the lie is and understand what's really true about what that temptation is trying to take you away from. And I promise you a key strategy that works every time. And this is, this is very, uh, very complex thing, but I think maybe uh, hopefully I've, I've set you up for, for understanding uh, this. And so I've got it on the screen, but it's run away. Like I, I get we have this fight or flight you know, thing that, that we get into when we get in tough situations. Uh, flight is the way we fight temptation. The way you overcome the temptation is by running away. And this is what Joseph did. This is the example that he gives us. He, he ran the other direction. Potiphar's wife had been wanting to Netflix and chill with Joseph for, for a long time. And so he knew, he knew this was coming. Like he was planning ahead. He, had, he knew what the problem was. And he knew that at some point this was going to come to a head where she wasn't going to ask anymore, but she was going to take what she wanted. Because that was the position that we put ourselves in when we go after our temptation and we give in to those desires. We exert that power and authority, that control. And so Joseph knew that that was coming at some point, and he made the decision ahead of time to give himself no choice by running away. When it comes to certain kinds of temptation, there are places and people we need to stay away from. Listen, more, more specifically, there are ties that we need to cut. There are bridges that we ought to burn. When it comes to the desires that try to take us away from God in our life, there is no shame in admitting to yourself and others what you can't handle in life. And any place or person who does shame you is not concerned at all with your well-being. In fact, they're more than likely wanting to keep you down so they can feel better about their own life. You need to be around people who will support you. By the way, we're signing up for small groups uh, right now. We'd love for you to Take some time to be a part of one of those. Being tempted is not a sin. Sin is what happens when we give in. But but here's where falling to temptation takes us. Temptation causes us, falling to temptation causes us to trade relationship with God for a relationship against God. Falling to temptation causes us to trade long-term success, our purpose, or accomplishment for instant gratification. Falling to temptation uh, causes us to trade long-term health, mental, emotional, spiritual, physical health for temporary relief. And these, you know, these ways of uh, admitting there's a problem, planning ahead and running away, uh, these, are, these are just different ways of, of saying two words that are repeated throughout the scripture when it comes to temptation. The way that we recognize God's authority and power in our lives is through confession and repentance. And, and that's part of what we do with each other as a congregation. That's part of what we do as Christ followers is we support ourselves in the midst of that confession and repentance. No perfect people allowed. No one stands alone. Everyone's story matters. Because here's, here's the thing. We, we've all been Potiphar's wife, but there's still plenty of time to be Joseph. If, if you're here, there's still plenty of time to be Joseph in your life. The reason we're able to overcome temptation, overcome the consequences of the past in our lives is because God is the one who has the authority. And when we recognize his sovereignty, we give him the power over how we decide to live our lives. This is the difference, recognizing God's authority in our life. This is the difference between people who constantly cause themselves to be in crisis mode in their lives and people who simply have to deal with crises as they come up in their life. 
the reason that we know there's still time for change in our lives and a better outcome is because the, the outcome is not contingent upon us. Joseph is unjustly thrown in prison, sure, but it isn't the end of his story by far. And our struggle with temptation is not the end of our story when we give God authority over our lives. I just want to read two, two verses for you and leave the, these with you to contemplate this week as you think about the things that try to drag you away from the relationship God wants to have with, with you and with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. By the way, the context is, is very specific to Joseph's situation here, but I think the principles apply much more broadly when it comes to, uh, comes to our temptation and what owns us and what we give power to us. Uh, over over us in our lives and first corinthians 6 19 through 20 says this do you not know that your bodies are temples of the holy spirit who is in you whom you have received from god you are not your own you were bought at a price therefore honor god with your bodies let's pray god um there are a lot of things that strive to uh, control us uh, to exert authority over us to have power over our lives and and God, there are times that we've given, given <laughs> power and authority uh, to things and to people and to situations uh, over our lives that, that have damaged us, that have hurt us, um, that have hurt those around us. And God, we understand that rather being slaves to um, our passions, uh, our feelings, our appetites, that, that we get to choose to be uh, your servants that we get to choose to serve the one who takes away the consequences of sin and death, even though that we don't deserve it. God, we, uh, we praise you for this, and we ask that we pay attention to the leading of your Holy Spirit in our lives, that as we struggle with the temptations that we struggle with, God, we ask that um, we're able to find the relationships that we need uh, that, that don't foster those temptations, but but that help us overcome, overcome them and live out the victory that you have given us through Jesus. God, we, uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.